time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. Okay, Florida, three, two, one. It's the Sports Spectacular. Welcome in, one and all, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, as we put a wrap on this Florida Gators football season. Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun is standing by and will join us in a few minutes with his perspective on season number two of the Billy Napier era and where this program goes from here. What can we expect in this offseason, starting with this upcoming week? Also, it is championship weekend with conference title tilts taking place all over the country. We'll break it down and hear from coaches as teams make their final pitches to be a part of the college football playoff. As those announcements and the bowl pairings will be made on Sunday. But the Gators finish 5-7. and seven. Uh, What a game as they uh, gave the Seminoles last weekend all they wanted, but uh, too much of this so close and yet so far this season, fellas, by the Gators. It's an, you know, it's, it's interesting. Florida, Florida really competed well with uh, Florida state. They gave them a battle um, and, you know, it would have been bowl eligibility. So they had a lot on the line. I, I really feel like if they'd have had a, a healthy Graham Mertz, maybe, uh, you know, they'd have had a better shot. Of course, you know, then Florida state would have had, if they'd had their sale quarterback, maybe it's different too. But yeah, I think this was, it was a good effort though. They, they look like they competed, which is good to see for a team that's, you know, maybe not in the, in the hunt. They're only finished five and seven. So it showed that they will compete for Billy Napier. Yeah. And it also shows that how important the quarterback position is. And obviously with a highly ranked QB coming in next year, you have to feel good about the long-term you know, ramifications of that for Florida being competitive because once Graham was gone, they just didn't, they, you know, they they just didn't have the firepower to keep up with, with Florida state, even, even with, with them, you know, using a backup as well. And, and you you just got to build that depth. And that's the difference of Napier's building. It with some really good recruiting classes and that will make a big difference for Florida. Mike, just as we all expected, we saw Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. He would be the key to the Florida offense, right? <laughs> you, you would have told me that before the season. I would have laughed. I think I did laugh, you know. Uh, but but it just it it also goes to show you, you know, what Napier can do with a with a quarterback because Mertz was not anything to speak of other than really a quarterback that people wondered why he would never live up to his ranking. Yeah. And then the question becomes, you know, where does, you know, where does Florida go future now? You know, you know, they got the good recruits, but at some point you can't just rely on just recruiting wins. You got to win games on the field. We saw that with Jimbo Fisher here at Texas, at Texas A&M where he didn't win enough games, even though he had great recruiting classes. Now, Billy Napier, how long does he get to start winning games? Yeah, I figure he's, they'll probably give him next year. And then uh, that's when the the fire gets really, really hot. And I think the other thing that makes it interesting is you know is, is who's open on the coaching market because a good athletic director doesn't terminate a coach unless he knows who he's going to bring in or you get caught in a horrible horrible bind no question i think that's exactly where you have to be because you end up paying overpaying for your buyout and then overpaying for your next coach just and it's you're overpaying for mediocrity, and you can't do that, right? You got to pay for success, and so that's where we're at. Well, let's talk more about this uh, from an expert, Kevin Brockway, good friend of ours uh, from the Gainesville Sun, also part of the Gannett Florida Network, joining us uh, to talk more about this uh, Gators football season. Uh, Kevin, I mean, you know, five and seven. This is 
not where anybody wants to be, right? But what's the temperature down there this week uh, after uh, the season uh, has come to an end? Well, I think, you know, the big offseason questions are, number one, can, you know, Billy Napier keep this uh, 2024 incoming class together? And uh, also, can he keep players on his current roster, too? Because when you're coming off a five and seven season, there's obviously a lot of disappointment. Um, and uh, the questions about uh, playing times and roles become magnified as well. Uh, because the feeling is, well, maybe you played the wrong guys, right? But uh, I think overall, it's uh, you know a little bit of frustration. I think in the way the season ended, losing five straight for sure um, is not what fans wanted. Um, it was a tough road, and uh, they did have their chances against Florida State for sure. You know, when you when you talk about uh, you know that game, um, but uh, it uh, it just didn't pan out. You know, you're up twelve nothing in that game, and in you know late in the second quarter, and. Some momentum plays uh, turn some things around. Uh, you try a trick play, it doesn't work. Then you have a defensive player that spits on someone. You get a 15-yard penalty. They cut it to 12-7 at the half. So a lot of things kind of unraveled in the second half uh, that didn't leave a good taste in the mouth of uh, you know some Gator fans here. Yeah, and I think that's where you know teams when you get it. Look, it's one thing if you're three and eight or three and nine, two and ten. That's it's yeah, okay. That's that's something else. But I think to your point, when you're five and seven, you're right on the cusp. And you've got a coaching staff and a program that's trying to get back above that. You've got to get past the first hump before you get to the next one, right? And we yep. get the little things like the the silly penalty, the spitting of the face. You know, you, you, I'm watching and I'm like, okay, come on. You know, I mean, you're you're just and, and I get in the heat of the moment. We've all been there. We're all competitive, but I think that's what stings even more is if you get a few of those and you start to add up. You look back and say, gee, if these three or four things hadn't happened, maybe we're seven and five instead of five and seven. Yeah, a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. And when you're a team like Florida that's rebuilding from a talent perspective, uh, you really, your margin for error is so slim. And I, I think that showed throughout the season uh, in terms of uh, the little things. And, you know, you, you you go on the road in Missouri and you only lose by two points there. Um, and you have the lead with a minute remaining. I mean, Arkansas, a team that you should win, you fall behind 14 nothing, but you're right there with a chance to win the game in a field goal. And then you lose in overtime when you miss the field goal. So I think it's little things like that. If, if you look at this five-game losing streak, they certainly were in a lot of games. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, the margin between seven and five and five and seven, or even four and eight, when you look back at the South Carolina game and they had to make a couple of fourth-down conversions there, it's kind of where they are right now. They're, they're kind of in this, uh, you know, situation where, you know, they're, they're kind of, a, 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 you know, barely a bowl-eligible team. They were last year. They're not this year. Um, and the talent level certainly has to increase for them to to kind of get past that and, and make that next step. Um, and the discipline too. And listen, Billy Napier was brought in here after Dan Mullen. Uh, you know, one of one of his uh calling cards was he was gonna cut down on penalties. And I think they certainly did last year, but I think this year they took a little bit of a step back in that area. Yeah. Uh talking with Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville set about this the Gators uh, season that, that went five and seven. You brought up something a moment ago that I do want to get to, and that is in terms of the new world of college football. And one of those is uh, you know, the transfer portal uh window opens on Monday. We've got the early signing day just a couple weeks after that. Um, talk about how this has changed in college football now and how um there's no time to breathe. Where, you know, five years ago, coaches right now are heading out to go you know, talk to high school recruits and kind of begin to to get the, that that still has to happen. But you've got recruiting right now on campus you have to do in this past week, because on Monday you may you want to find out if their kids where their heads are. are they staying. Do I have to replace you on the roster? Are you going to be there in the spring competing for a starting spot? Or talk about how things have changed now in these past few years. 
Yeah, I think that you have to re-recruit your guys. And I think what happens a lot is when the season ends, and for Florida it ended earlier than the bowl season, but even when the regular season ends now, I think you have what are called, you know, exit interviews where you talk to all of your players, um, you know, during that week, find out where they are, um, be honest with them probably about playing time. Because, you know, let's be honest, some of the attrition here isn't necessarily the player leaving, but the coach telling the player, hey, look, you probably don't have much of a future here. I think it kind of goes both ways in that regard. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, but at the same time, you just kind of, you know, like, then then from there you reassess and you probably use a transfer portal on, you know, November. You, you know, the first week of December is usually when you find out where the guys are leaving. Then you kind of reassess, you do your evaluation. And then usually that, you know, last week in December, first week in January is when you bring guys in for visits and pick up guys. At least that was my experience in covering the team last year. That's how it worked. And it'll probably work again that way this year where you find out who you lose first and then you kind of, you know, uh, augment that uh, right before the start of the uh, winter semester. And we should be, let's be fair and honest and transparent here. Like you said, you bring up a great point. It goes both ways. You know, I think, and I think that's where at this point, um, Everyone gets a chance to man up, right? I mean, not only the coaches, but the players as well. If this is, if you don't feel you're being treated fairly or you feel you can get a better opportunity elsewhere, man up and say so and just have that conversation. And I think, you know, from a fan standpoint, you get frustrated because, gee, we lost, you know, X number of players. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's a it's a good growth opportunity because for all of us, there's life after football. And for these players, there is too. And there's a chance to kind of um, have some mature conversations. Well, I think what, you know, and I've seen it on the basketball side too, where I think it's a little more apparent, uh, but even in the football, you know, it's still a continuity game too. So you want to retain as many players as you can from that standpoint as well. You don't want it to be a changing roster every year. Uh, that gets very hard in uh, college basketball and in college football, unless maybe you have overwhelming uh, talent like Kentucky did and Duke did in the one and dones back in the days. Um, but even then, I mean, it's, it's just very hard because you know, you want to build some stability. And if you're starting over every year, all over again with new players, it's not good. So I think there's a fine line to that too, between, you know, running too many players off or, uh, you know, having guys that, that you want to build a foundation of a program. And I think that's where Billy Napier is right now. Like you don't want to lose too many guys. And and he was talking at his end of the year press conference with Florida state that, uh, you know, we have a good group here and we have a lot of guys that are hungry and want to work and want to come back. Um, and, and he'll be counting on that nucleus next year in order to show improvement because that schedule next year is is even more of a bear than it was this year. It's going to be uh, very difficult to navigate for Billy in 2024. Yeah, and you know that's the one thing. There are probably about probably three dozen teams right now in that mix. Like we've talked about, they're six and six, five and seven, four and eight, and looking at where there's a lot of self inflicted mistakes. Didn't couldn't they couldn't get they couldn't get higher, and now everyone's kind of uh, kind of battling that. What is your feeling at at the moment? And I know again, we are just on you know the first step of this. We have a long way to go to get to uh, you know to the spring. Um, in terms of players staying, do you feel the attrition will be high numbers or or low? Or what's your feeling right now in terms of um, you know, what we may see here next couple of weeks in terms of the transfer portal? Well, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be as high as last year when you know you had a lot of you know players from the Dan Mullen era that weren't good fits. But uh, I think that. Had the season ended better, you might have had a little more buy-in in terms of players staying. I still think it's going to be a an amount, you know, of of players that are, that are going to leave. But I think one of the big keys too is um, Graham Mertz. Does he come back? And uh, that's uh, 
he was someone that certainly showed promise. And you can make the argument that if he was healthy for the Florida State game, maybe they would have found a way to pull that game off. Um, but 20 touchdowns to three interceptions led the SEC in completion percentage. A lot of positives there that you can build around in another year in Billy Napier's system. You know, maybe you could have an even better year next year. But Graham Mertz also turns 23 in a week and a half. And you wonder if coming off this good season, maybe he figures this is his best time stock-wise to go in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's going to be a first-round draft pick, but um, what if he comes back next year and loses the job to DJ Lagway, the five-star quarterback coming in? That hurts the stock probably even more. So I think, you know, those are all questions that are going to need to be answered in the offseason. But I think certainly if Graham Mertz does come back and provide some sort of bridge to DJ Lagway, uh, I think certainly Gator fans would be happy with that. Yeah, he certainly was not the player this year that he was the past couple of years in Wisconsin. There's no question uh, the progress he made uh, in Gainesville this year was really was marked uh, progress. And to your point, strike while the iron's hot. Uh, you don't want to do with all due respect what Devin Leary did and go from a pro prospect to now who knows what his future is in Kentucky. He did not have a good season to transfer that one that one year. Hey, uh, Kevin, we know we're out of time right now. You have a ton of things to do. We always appreciate your time. Um, thanks for the insight. And uh, next time we'll talk, it'll be hoops. That's right, Larry. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, look forward to it. Kevin, thanks so much. Take care. All right, thank you. All right, Kevin Brockway, once again, he's with the Gainesville Sun, also part of the uh, Gannett Florida Network and giving us some insights right now in this Gator football season. And uh, we know he already knows basketball. We gave him a pass this time. We'll talk more about that next time. All right, stay with us. This is the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular. Hey, guys, I was just thinking, got a question for you. Uh-oh. Oh God! When when you look at Michigan, you got the defensive coordinator going up to Ohio State fans and getting it getting into it with them after the game. You've got the head coach who has been suspended for two three game spans for the football team. You've got the basketball team head coach who slapped another coach in the past and now manages to get thrown out of a game that he's not coaching at <laughs> is there something going on with the Michigan culture that needs to be looked at? Or is this just some random events that have no connection and no um, effect on one another? Brad. Hmm. Man, that's tough. One. Here's what I would say. I would say it's more of a microcosm of society more than it is uh, a Michigan culture. I think it's the culture today is, to to win now no matter what and, and i think that's true of a lot of places it doesn't matter how you accomplish it and you also have to create it you're michigan you are one of the blue bloods but yet you have to create some edge too so you have to like make yourself that way and i think that's part of this kind of this the way this is i can't i can't argue with that yeah i mean we're in a society right now where there's no shame uh we just do things because we want to and we you know later we just go oh yeah i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to say that so it's true uh, but maybe in Ann Arbor, you got to redefine the term Michigan man. It's not what it used yeah. to be, right? So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, of of Michigan, the team that just beat Ohio State, Ryan Day. Um, is there any more vilified coach that's lost only like three games in his entire career in the Big Ten? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, this guy somehow he's like dead man walking. All he does is win, except the past three years against Michigan. Yeah, he's it's tough. I mean, what I mean, what program? I mean, and I guess it's 
my thing would be, I think if Ryan Day had won a national title, he'd have more leeway. Yeah. But you know, like 11 and one is a good year. If, but had they beat Michigan and lost a different game, everybody would be happy. You know what I mean? I really believe that because that's how important that the game is. And so that's why it's also the most watched game in what, since 2011 or something in college football. Yeah. So it's crazy. Well, Ryan Day's done a good job as head coach, but the problem is he has no resume that would be equal equivalent to what you would expect for a guy who's hired for arguably the number two job in college football. And so you can't look back and say, well, he knows what to do because he was number one one year at Florida and then they they dropped and then they won another national title. Or, you know, he's done this to come back from adversity. As a head coach, his resume is so weak that you really don't know, can he come back from adversity? And that's the danger of a guy with a ton of talent, but not a lot of experience is the fan base doesn't have anything to, to lay their, uh, you know, to have credibility that he can bring them back from the wilderness. So a lot of rumors out there with Bill Belichick struggling um, in new England. Um, does Robert Kraft make a move and kick the legend out of town and bring in Ryan day who is from new England? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think that Belichick's time has passed a little bit in the sense that, you know, and I think in his mind, he wants to prove that it wasn't Tom Brady, right? I mean, I think that's his his goal. But at the same time, and I don't think it was all Tom Brady. I think Belichick's a very good football coach. I think that, but the problem is he, you, you replace Tom Brady with Mac Jones. That's not exactly, a, that's, that's way down, right? So I think that he just want, needs that, but I think it's time for him to move on if New England wants to win. And I, I think if if he can get him to step down and retire, I think that that would be a best thing for everybody. I think if you could get him to step down, I think there would be a list of four or five NFL teams who would love to trade for the rights to Bill Belichick, and you might be able to get another draft choice for a team that desperately needs it, and then you put Ryan Day in there with his offensive capability and maybe he can draft a quarterback to go along and, and build around, you know, that that'll be his Brady. You know, you speak of quarterbacks and that's one thing I want to get in before we take a break here. Um, Matt rule uh, coming off his first season at Nebraska, talking about again, telling reporters that listen right now in the transfer portal, uh, a good quarterback is going to cost you a million to 1.5 to $2 million. Did those numbers surprise you guys at all? Well, I think it's nuts, but quarterback is the most important position in college football. So they're always going to get the most, I, I think that, but you're, you're reaching a point where think numbers don't go down, right? So if you're at one to 1.5 to $2 million for a starting quarterback right now, uh, a legit starting quarterback, it, man, I, I think that, it, and I think that's for a proven guy. When does it, where does it end? I mean, what's going to happen here as we start moving up? And the problem I have with this, and this is the problem with all this NIL stuff, is eventually what you're going to see is you're going to see these, they have a salary cap in the NFL. And so, and they have a minimum salary. They don't have that in college football. You're going to see guys making $2 million and guys making zero, and it's going to create a problem. Yeah. And I, I do think that in the end, you know, you're, you're going to see like Cam Ward from Washington state is he's going to be a Heisman trophy candidate if he selects the right school to go to. And, and, you know, Brad was right, but it's not just college football. 
it's high school football, it's peewee football, it's the NFL. If you get the right quarterback, that solves so many problems. But uh, how do you keep peace in a locker room where kids have social media and they read about I'm a you know so and so I'm a loser because I don't have any money and this other guy's making X amount of dollars? There's going to have to be a whole new level of building team that nobody's had to deal with before. The conversation continues after this. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys at help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. Okay, so uh, the big weekend uh, in college football. This is uh, the one, guys. This is why I can't wait to get to you know a playoff because like literally nothing gets done. Uh, my wife and I were talking about you know we're gonna maybe go to a basketball game uh, this weekend, but we're trying to figure out how we work that around all the games, right? So uh, big weekend. Let's start in the SEC. That's the one um, Saturday game. Okay, the championship game on Saturday. That's the one game where both teams are still in this. Um, you know, Alabama only the one loss, but but they have to win this. They've got to beat Georgia if they want a shot. Otherwise, they're out of it. Yeah, it's a it's it's basically a play in game for Alabama. This is part of this is if we had an eight team playoff, you'd have one playing eight, and this would be the matchup right here. So, um, 
I, I think that's interesting. I think the real interesting thing here is if Georgia wins, obviously they're in. It's not a, there's no question. Alabama's out. If Alabama wins, then who makes it? I mean, this is this is when you really get into that the nuts and bolts. You have a two-time defending national champion that loses in their conference title game, and you're what if there are three other undefeated teams? Oops. Yeah, I mean, it, the other thing that's that I find really interesting is Georgia's looking at its third national title in a row. Yet when you when you look at what the 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 head to head matchup, you have you have Nick Saban in the last eight games, he's won seven of them, except for that national championship in 2022. So they, they haven't played since then. But for the most part, Alabama has owned Georgia. Can they do it again when it really counts? Or will Kirby get that second win in a row with unbelievable high stakes and really maybe start to signal the kind of the end of the Alabama dynasty? Yeah. Nick Saban, uh, the GOAT of college coaches, there's no question what a storyline it would be if he knocks out Georgia and prevents them from going for that historic three-peat. You're exactly right. Let's listen to the coaches before they take the field uh, in Atlanta. First, uh, Nick Saban, and then Kirby Smart uh, talking about this SEC matchup down in Georgia. They've got good players at every position. Uh, Defensively, they're the number one team in the SEC. I've got good players, well-coached, do a really, really good job. And um, they also do a great job on special teams. So they've got good specialists and this, this is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. That's why they are who they are and what they are. And it's going to be really important for us to do, you know, a great job of executing and do what we do um, the best that we can do it. They're playing as good a football as anybody in the country. And don't talk to me about playing in Auburn because I know. So they, they, they have played really, really good football and they've evolved uh, from the start of the year to now. They're not the same team they were in the beginning of the year. Not many are. I mean, we, we had to figure out who we were and, and, and who we were identity-wise and how you're going to use guys. Then guys are out of the offense. Guys are in the offense. Guys are out of the defense, in the defense. And you you evolve. And, and you know, they're, they're a very talented, really well-coached, good football team that's playing its best football at the end of the year. It should be uh, – I mean, I'm excited for this game. This is probably one of those things I'm probably more excited about this one than, than uh, anything. So this should be fun. Yeah, I think the, this this the the matchup of basically you know Kirby Kirby Smart can tell Nick Saban you made me, and um, Nick's got to figure out how to deal with this creation that he's unleashed on the college football world. And the funny thing is, is if Nick can't kill it, it may not be it may be alive for quite some time to come. The way uh, George is recruiting and then how they're developing players. So as Brad mentioned, Georgia's won Alabama eight in this week's uh, college football playoff rankings. Number two sits Michigan, uh, twelve and zero, despite having their coach suspended for half those games. Jim Harbaugh is back uh, for the Wolverines. He'll be back on the sideline trying to go uh, the Baker's dozen thirteen and zero as they take on sixteenth ranked Iowa. Here's Coach Harbaugh talking about this matchup. My focus has been with the team, you know, the entire time. This uh, it's been a tremendous season. Um, Right, right, the exact position that we hope for, that we worked so hard to be in, and and um, it's onward now. There's uh, we've accomplished 
many of our goals, but not all of them yet. And uh, some still still are out there. Um, beating Michigan State, beating Penn State, beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten East. You know, now the next is is winning the conference championship, and that's that's uh, where our focus is. Does Jim get to go to this game? I wasn't sure. I didn't sure. I don't know how that works. So no. So how about? I mean, this is your this is your two sixteen matchup. But I'm telling you what, this is the most lopsided matchup of any of these championship games. Yeah. yeah. Iowa's offense is literally terrible. Like I I don't know how a team can average that many points and, and go ten and two. I mean, it's it's hard to do. It's really but- difficult. Playing the Big Ten West is the first thing you need to get yeah. done. Um, yeah. But I, I wonder, real, and I'm not trying to be because Iowa's defense is worthy of the, the most respect. But does Iowa's offense ever do? Do they ever have a play inside Michigan's territory? I'm not certain that they're going to do it this week, unless there's a turnover. I don't right. Think they yeah, do. there's a turnover. Yeah. Yep. Or some kind of special teams thing. That's the only way. I mean, listen, Iowa. They're a twenty-two point underdog in this game in with the with an over under of thirty-five and a half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so even Vegas says you can't score two touchdowns. Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's what that's what they're betting. So you're never going to do that. So uh, yeah, Michigan, Iowa, eight o'clock start. That's on Fox, uh, eight o'clock Eastern um, on that game. Okay, to the Big Twelve. This was interesting because Oklahoma State kind of. Floated along, we're talking Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, both are leaving the Big 12 after this year. Um, look, for Texas, they're coming in number seven. Another team that has to win this game to, to stay in the mix for a college football playoff. Uh, but guys, we've been talking all season long. We love what the Longhorns have done, and they have made a statement saying that we are ready to move past you guys and get into the SEC next year. Yeah, I, I think Texas had a great year. I think it's going to be difficult for them to – Beating Oklahoma State isn't going to do anything for their resume. I don't care how many they win by. I, I don't think anybody looks at that and says, oh, well, they beat Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State lost to Central Florida 45-3 to just a couple weeks ago, um, which is, I mean, that's saying something, right? And so I, I think that this is a game that Texas has to win, and then they have to hope there's a bunch of chaos on the other ends. You know I mean? Um, with, with some teams losing, they need Florida State to lose. Um yeah, think things like that, and they probably need you know Georgia has to beat Alabama, maybe uh, Washington beats Oregon. I don't know, but for them to sneak in, it's going to be hard. Yeah, Texas needs pure chaos to happen, you know, and then you let the dice fall, you know, have have um, Washington lose and, and and you know Alabama win and Florida State lose, but I I do think that. Texas just is going to kind of they're going to run out of time or run out of runway. They need a they need a higher ranked team to beat in this game, and unfortunately, Oklahoma State doesn't fit that bill. Well, and they've got a root for Alabama, right? Because that's their yep. that's the only card they have to play. They got to win and have Alabama win and say, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're the only team to beat them, the SEC champion, and they're in the playoff. Why aren't we in?" So they'll make that argument. So Coach, what do you so- what do you do there, Larry? What do you do there, Larry? So they beat Alabama, Alabama. You got Alabama SEC champion. They have to be in, right? Michigan goes undefeated. Florida State goes undefeated. Let's say Washington or Oregon winner. Where does Texas fit? Yeah. I mean, how do you? Yeah. Where do you? Where do you? Do we you change know, to five this year and just say we're gonna have a five play? Exactly. Game? Exactly. You two come back next week. We're gonna flip a coin, 
Have you played uh, <laughs> either in Denver or Seattle? And I'd watch. The winner I'd watch. would too. I would too. I would too. We all would. Yeah, exactly. It's sad, isn't it? You know, <laughs> we're all gluttons. That's why. That's why the playoff is coming. Um, Coach uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about uh, this matchup as Longhorns again, just one loss and trying to close out and finish out their Big Twelve run with a championship. We also know it's a great challenge. Um, you know, Oklahoma State's a very good football team. I uh, got a ton of respect for Coach Gundy and what he's been able to do this year. Um, you know, after kind of getting out to a two and two start, making kind of a philosophical change, especially offensively, uh, to go seven and one in their last eight games. Um, you know, a very a, a very good team and making adjustments. Uh, they're a great second half team when things aren't going their way. Most notably, the last couple of weeks, their their ability to adapt to the game. And so we know it's going to be a four quarter game. Uh, we know it's going to be a, a heck of a challenge for us. But I think our guys are are, are up for the challenge. Yeah, Sarge's done a fantastic job there. I mean, he's got them in position whether they make the playoff or not. You got to feel like Texas is back. You know what I mean? Like they're like back as a major player, legit top ten team year in and year out. Yeah, as as uh, Ace Freely said back in the seventies, they're back in the New York groove. They are, um, they're Texas again. Finally, it's been a long time for those fans. You go back to what two thousand nine. I mean, it, it seems like forever since they they won a Big Twelve and they mattered. So I think he's on the path, and and as they go into the uh, SEC, uh, I think when it originally was announced, people thought Oklahoma would be the tougher FCC team, but I'm not certain anybody believes that anymore. Yeah. Uh, noon Eastern starts, and that one, Oklahoma State taking on number seven, Texas, uh, for the Big 12 uh, title. Meanwhile, the ACC, Florida State's uh, boy got a scare last week without their starting quarterback. He's injured, Jordan Travis. Uh, but they still are undefeated and taking on uh, twice beaten Louisville, the surprise team, one of the big surprises in the country, 14th in the rankings in the ACC championship. This is Mike Norvell talking about uh, his Seminoles, trying to go to 13-0 and and uh, a likely berth in the college football playoff. You, know, you want to be pushing and, and playing your best ball in November so that you can go into December and have these opportunities. And, um, you know, to be able to to go through the year and you're undefeated, I mean, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, you know, but you want to make sure that you're putting your players in a position that they that they are building throughout the course of the year. And, you know, I mean, guys get, you know, bumps, they get bruises, you know, that you get tired. I mean, it's a, it's part of the, uh, the journey, but you don't want, you don't want to see that the, the fatigue to show up in, in their performance. You know, you, you got to be smart with them. You got to make sure you're taking care of them, but you're also, you're building them up, you know, throughout, the, throughout the, uh, the season. And, um, you know, it all points to times like this. I mean, this is what you do it for, to be able to play in a championship game, to be able to, uh, you know, to, to, to carry that over into all things that are beyond. Florida State's another one that you look at, you know, without Travis, are they one of the best four teams? The committee's like hedged multiple times saying, we want the best four teams. And I don't know if they're one of the best four teams right now. Even if they beat Louisville and they're undefeated, if you're really going with that mantra, you, you could leave them out. But I, I also think they deserve it based on, doing what they've done. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if you have a undefeated conference champion not make it in to the preference of a one-loss conference champion. I, I don't know what they're going to do. That'll be a fun thing to watch. It'll be tough, especially if you get a team like, so let's say Georgia loses, they have one loss, Alabama has one loss, Michigan, if they win, they're in. Who gets that final slot? That's, that's pretty tough. Um, Mike, you had a good a good observation in the break before we started talking about this in terms of who's most uncomfortable this weekend. 
Yeah, you know, uh, is is Commissioner Phillips and the ACC going to be happy if he's got to give his the trophy to the Florida State team that has figured out like 50 different ways to try to leave the ACC? Or is it... Thanks, Paul you know, <laughs> Exactly. Or is it, is it uh, you know, your mark uh, out in the Big 12 country who may have to hand it to Texas, the people who uh, split his whole conference? Or is it uh, Klyavikov out in uh, Pac-12 country who's got to deal with um, the winner of of the two two of the four teams that have left? Or Tony Petiti who has to go to Jim Harbaugh and hand off that trophy? I think I might say, hey, Jim, you know what? We're really happy that you showed up for today's game. And then hand him the trophy and just hustle off the stage. Yeah. Let's see. I at least look at the the other guys. Texas and, you know, whether it's Oregon, Washington, whatever the, in the big 12 or PAC 12, or, you know, they don't have to deal with them in the future. Yes. Petiti's going to have to give the star, but he may have to give it to him every year. Three Michigan's going. So <laughs> this is awesome. Kind of that's what I'm looking forward to. Tony's never been so, so much wanting a, a, one of the big 10 coaches to go to the Chicago bears. <laughs> <laughs> he may, may be calling Kevin Warren. He's not with the bears going, Hey, <laughs> Why don't you take my guy? Take my guy, Harbaugh. Exactly. He's a great guy. Take my guy, Harbaugh, please. Oh, very nice. Henny Youngman. Boy, (laughs) he gets on a roll today. (laughs) All right. We've got to pay some bills. We're back with more to this. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. You know, we always close our show with our picks. And Mike, for I think the first time this entire season, you and I get dibs. Sturdy yeah, came back down to earth. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see him in the rearview mirror, you know, chugging along behind us. Yeah, that's just, but yeah, you most know, people you, are, most people are afraid of that because I could <laughs> fall on them. <laughs> well, we, right. We've been waiting all year to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots going on this weekend. Let's get right to it. Let's start at the, uh, again, the, the game that's the, the big game. Uh, Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship. Who you like? Well, I, I actually, I, I think Georgia is the best, best team in the country. Um, outside of maybe Michigan, I think Michigan has the team that can beat them, but I think Georgia is the best team. I think they're going to come out on top in this game. Although I do give Alabama a chance. I think Nick Saban is, he's a decent coach. He's had success against Georgia. And so I think that they, ha- they do have a legit chance, but I just think Georgia has, they're just too, um, cohesive right now. Yeah, and I would I would look to be honest. I, I've been on the 
UGA bandwagon. I just don't see them losing to Alabama as good as Nick Saban is. I think it's going to be the Bulldogs. Love the Bulldogs, but I'm voting chaos. I'm going with Alabama in this one. We'll see what happens. I respect right. that, Larry. I respect it. You respect 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 the respect the, uh, the roll of the dice, baby. It's like yep. World Series of dice right here on the show. Uh, thank you, Abe Chappelle fans. You 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 got that <laughs> that reference. Um, okay, A- ACC, Florida State versus Louisville. I like Florida State here. I just think their defense is good enough that they're going to able to to win this game. I think um, Louisville kind of was exposed a little bit last week for not being quite as good as we thought they were, and so I like Florida State even without their quarterback. I think their young quarterback. Um, you know, showed up some things. Now the question becomes, they do have a guy, you know, the guy got hit, you know, their backup quarterback got hit last week and left the game. So it'll be interesting, but I I just think Florida state is too much to play for to lose this game. Yeah. I'm actually going to go Louisville. I think, I think they're going to pull the the big upset uh, and, and, you know, again, it doesn't mean much for them, you know, other because they're not going to go to the, the CFP, but I think they're going to pull the big upset and, uh, Brahm's going to look really good this weekend. Well, okay. Uh, this is tough. I voted Chaos SEC. I'm going to stick with the the leader in the ACC and go with Florida State, even though, so I just contradicted myself in like 30 seconds. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> to the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma State. I just don't think Oklahoma State's that good, so I think Texas wins this game. I think I, I would have much rather seen a Texas-Oklahoma rematch. Um, I think that would have been fun. I still think Texas is the best team in the Big 12, and I think they're, you know, they're probably clearly the best team in the Big 12, but you know, a Kansas State or a you know Oklahoma been able to sneak in there. I think that would have been better for Texas as well. Yeah, and I think I think Texas is going to win this. And Brad, I agree with you. I think this one might be over by the half. Yeah, I agree. Texas, I just think they're they're wired. They've had one hiccup, but they've been outstanding all season. I'm going Texas as well. To the Big Ten, Michigan and Iowa. I think I can write this down without, but I'll let you say it anyway. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's it. Be, go blue and just keep it going. Yep. Yeah, I think Iowa's going to do some incredible things. Unfortunately, they'll be on the wrong end of the score, and it may not be as incredible for Iowa fans. I see Michigan winning this one to the tune of 35-3. to Yeah. I, I, that's probably about right. I'm going Michigan as well. Uh, Pac-12, it's the Friday night game. Um, maybe the best game of them all. Let's just be really honest right now. Washington uh, beat the Ducks earlier in the season, uh, but Oregon has played lights out since then. Um, two guys who should be Heisman finalists in Bo Nix uh, and uh, Michael Penix Jr. for Washington. Next, of course, for Oregon. Um, final two, Final game for both these teams in the Pac-12. Who you got? You know, I, I think Oregon is just playing so well right now. I know they lost Washington back on October 14th by three points. But every other game since then, they have just, I mean, they, they've they won by, you know, multiple touchdowns in almost every game. It's just been looked dominant. I think Oregon wins this game. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. I think there's going to be a lot of points put up. But I just think the Ducks have, have what it takes, and I think they get into the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I think Oregon's going to win this one, but I will say the X factor is Penix at quarterback. I'm sure he's sick and tired of hearing about Jalen Daniels, and he has. They've said that you know Washington hasn't played as well. If he puts together a, one of the fantastic games that he's capable of, this could be the masterpiece of games. But I still have to go with Oregon. 
Yeah, it's tough. I voted Washington all week long, I, all all year long. I just think they are outstanding. I agree. Huge Michael Penix fan. Um, but I think, again, like you said, Oregon has just played so well. And it was such a close game. I mean, it came, it came right down to, you know, to the end. Um, the last time they played, I'm going to go with the Ducks as well and uh, agree with you guys uh, for once. Well, that's it. Um, again, enjoy the games. Make sure you get your chips and dip and your drinks all store, stored up ahead of time and uh, and get ready. Uh, we appreciate everybody who stopped by this week to talk as always for Mike and Brad. I'm Larry and everyone here at part of the show. We appreciate you stopping by. Be sure to uh, enjoy the games and enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next time. Same place right here. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular. <laughs>